Hello, my friends. I can't tell you how happy I am to see you tonight. I know that I can't truly see you, of course. But in a way, sort of, I can. You're there, and I can feel it. And that's a great comfort to me. Because it's been lonesome here on my little lighthouse on this little island. There is some distant part of me, a shadow of a version of myself, that used to love the idea of living alone in a little lighthouse in the middle of nowhere. But it is frightfully lonesome work. Though others stop by, lost and confused and frightened souls in little boats, looking for direction, looking for a safe haven to rest in, or a lovely environment to haunt, or a gentle fire to warm their translucent hearts by. They do not stay for long. My goal is to help them keep on going, and when they do, I am happy. But then I am alone, with that thing, that thing in the mist that I can barely see, but that I can tell is looming, and watching, and waiting, and hoping that someone, anyone, will get lost again, and row, row, row their way into its hungry mouth. But they won't. It is no match for me, or for the lost souls, even. I suppose that's the thing about great and terrible predators, huge and looming despair. They only have as much power as we allow them, don't they? I hope. I have to believe that anyway. Before I tell you what card I drew this week for the story I have for you, I must tell you about another little reading shortly before. I was shuffling my deck, thinking about fear, because I am afraid often, almost always, and I try not to talk about it because I wonder if that gives fear power, and also because I am trying to sit with my fear and become friends with it. Anyway, I was thinking about fear, when a small cluster of souls, gentle and generous and caring and curious, rode their way over to my lighthouse. I pointed them in the direction of my forest and warned them of the looming beast I don't know much about. But they didn't go. They looked only at my hands and at the cards. And so I shared with them. I am thinking about how I can let go of fear, or how I can master my fear. Or maybe I just want to know a little more about it. And I drew three cards. Death strength, and the Hierophant reversed. It was such a generous gift from my cards, death in all her misunderstood and very necessary glory, strength, who I have seen much of lately, gently conquering her ferocious foe, the Hierophant, who must always be reversed when I draw him, for I dislike institutions and rules. I did not have a conclusion for these ghosts other than do not fear death or great change. Do not fear what comes after death 
or great change. And if you cannot stop fearing, then sit with your fear gently and lovingly until it relents. And then use only your intuition and your own personal truth to move forward and allow change. For goodness sake, it needs to come. It does not do to stay in little boats all alone, bemoaning the emptiness of the sea or the lake. It does not do to stare up at the giant monster in the mist and only scream. Do those things. Bemoan, scream. But then what? What will you do after that? I wonder. And the ghosts went on their way. I hope towards my forest. But I cannot control what direction they go off in, now can I? And then, after a little rest, just a short one, where I did not keep my eye on the sky or the lake, not on threat nor friend, but after closing my eyes for just a little, I shuffled my deck again, just for me and for you, dear listener. How foolish I was to ask the same question in a different way. Instead of focusing on fear, I took a cue from the strength card, and I decided instead to focus on courage. This full moon, or any time I need it, for the upcoming time of harvest, perhaps, as the moon begins to rest and retreat herself, how can I gain courage? I thought I was being clever. Focusing on gaining rather than releasing. But I do think that releasing fear and gaining courage are different. Anyway. I drew. Death. Again. Strength and death didn't seem to want to leave me alone this full moon. Compassion and change. Courage and transformation. But this week more so death. The card for, as I'm certain you know, since this will be the third time we've seen it. Rebirth. Cycles. Beginnings and endings and beginnings again. But most importantly, metamorphosis. I have had two conversations with death this season. Within the last 58 episodes, that is. But in another life, in another season, I also spoke of death more than once. And death, as I love to remind you and myself, appears differently to each of us. He or she or they will come to us each at a different time, in a different way. And I once said, in this other life and season, that I would like for her to look upon me one day, at the end of things, with that same gentleness and sweetness as I've imagined she or he or they will look upon these collectibles, these characters I tell you stories of. And then, I think, I will transform yet again, just as I've been doing my entire life. Transforming 
changing, growing, evolving. I will not stop that once I've died. I will do it again. Perhaps that is why it's silly to be frightened. Birth, growth, change, death, rebirth, growth, change, death, rebirth, on and on and on. It's really all right. It's really all right. Let me tell you a story. A little story about death, of course. I am in no mood for riddles. It's a story about death, which means that it is, of course, about life. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the whole thing. Once there was a very old woman who lived by herself in a little house, in a place that was, for the most part, abandoned. She found herself in a small countryside ghost town, with a few abandoned cabins, roads that had not been tended to, docks with abandoned boats at them. She thought it seemed to be a perfect place to spend her remaining time on Earth. She was a resourceful woman, and despite her advanced age, strong most of the time. And even when she didn't feel strong, she did not let her shaking arms or trembling legs keep her from enjoying the trees, the grass, the sun. She chose this place because she knew no one would find her and she wanted to have a porch, a river, clean air, and some growing flowers around her before her time was up. If the only way she could do that was to sneak herself into a place devoid of human regulation, so be it. She took good care of herself, though of course she wished she was young again and that the chores of keeping a house, finding food, cooking meals were not quite so difficult as she found them to be. But when she was young, she'd wished to be old, so that other things, perhaps gaining people's respect, perhaps being listened to while she was speaking, perhaps being free from societal expectation. What is it that young people wish for? I don't recall. Anyway... She'd wished she was something else when she was young, too. She laughed to herself now at the irony. Something about youth being wasted. Oh, never mind. One day she woke up to the most lovely sunrise she thought she'd ever seen in her life. Purple, it was. Then azure, then golden pink. There seemed almost to be a little sparkle to the air. Ah, but no, she realized, it's just dust. Just dust from this abandoned house. But even the rotting wood of her cabin's floor looked lovely in the morning light. A lovely day, she said, 
and put on her nicest, cleanest dress. I suppose I can do whatever I want today. She thought she'd start by going fishing on the lake. She put on her boots, took her little fishing rod she'd found at the abandoned bait shop down the road, and walked to the riverside. The sun was warm, not hot, but she felt the journey a little more deeply in her legs today than usual. But she just walked more slowly, which gave her an opportunity to look at the tall grass, the leaping grasshoppers, the flowers in full bloom. Ah, wonderful, she thought to herself. I get to see them before they wither away in the fall. And soon she found herself at the riverside, where she hopped in the little rowboat she'd found that was in decent condition. She didn't like to think of herself as a scavenger, but this place was so lovely and had been deserted so completely. She almost felt like somebody had to love it. Why not her? Forget that it was from a world long past. Forget that other people, somewhere out there in the world, deemed it to be unlivable. Hogwash, thought she. I am living here just fine. She rowed herself out to the middle of the quiet river and dipped her empty fish hook into it. She leaned back, her hat tipping over her head to keep the sun out of her face as she rested. The feeling of the boat rocking from side to side reminded her of something. A memory from long ago. From a time when maybe she couldn't even put words to memories. So gentle. So calming. So tender was the rocking of the river. That she felt herself begin to doze off. And everything started to turn dark. But then she felt a splash of water hit her skin. Just a little one. A spray of droplets, accompanied by the sound of a splash. She would have been angry, but the water felt so cool and lovely on her warm skin that she found it quite welcome, actually. She removed the hat and saw a young boy swimming in the water. He jumped from a cliff not far away. He was under the water dressed in what looked like old sailor's clothes, only perhaps a little shabbier, something a cabin boy might wear. When he finally surfaced, he spat out a mouthful of water, looked at the old woman, and said, There's no bait on your hook. She smiled and nodded. Indeed not, but I like fishing anyway. The young boy smiled and treaded the water as they spoke a little. They spoke of the loveliness of the day, the sparkling shine of the water, the heat of the sun, and every time they brought the latter up, he would kindly splash her with a little water so she could cool down. She laughed each time at the strange, audacious kindness of such a thing. You should get out of the water, my boy. She said to him, a little concerned, You look to me like you're turning blue. The boy smiled and laughed. <laughs> soon, soon, he assured her. 
Then suddenly his smile waned and concern crossed his face. Are you getting ready? The old woman paused. What a strange question. What do you mean? She asked. The boy shrugged it off and smiled again. He thanked her for the conversation and swam away. She didn't see where he surfaced. I do hope he's all right. She rowed her boat back to the shore, docked it, started making her way back down the path, the afternoon sun a little milder now, though she felt even more tired. The tired had crept from her legs up to her spine, which she tried to stretch out by leaning back and drawing her shoulder blades together, but it was no use. I wish I were young, she thought again, but then laughed when she realized that wasn't actually true. It's such a nice night. Perhaps I'll sit on the porch a little while and watch the sunset, she thought. So she found her way to her porch, the first porch she'd ever had after a lifetime of living in little vertical spaces in big sprawling cities. She had found a sturdy enough rocking chair and left it out here when she'd first arrived, waiting for an evening such as this. And so she sat, and she took a blanket, and she rocked back and forth, back and forth. That strange wordless memory from ages ago returning, and her eyes began to close, and everything started to go dark. And then she heard a song on the wind, caressing her ears, growing closer and closer. She opened her eyes, and she saw an old man approaching. He had a peaceful look on his face. He seemed to be happy and kind, and so she was not startled or afraid. She hadn't the energy to be startled or afraid. Good evening, ma'am, he said, tipping his hat to her and hooking a thumb in his belt loop, almost like a pantomime of a sheriff from some bygone era. But he was no sheriff, at least not anymore. Beautiful night, isn't it? Yes, she agreed. Quite lovely. The old man asked if he could join her, and she invited him to. And he sat on the porch steps with her. And they didn't say anything. They just listened to the breeze. It rustled the leaves the leaves that were getting ready to rot and fall away, and then who knows? But not now. Now, they were green and happy. And they sounded it. It was so musical, the sound of the wind, that the old man could not help but sing again. Oh, to stay, oh, to stay. Oh, to stay away I go. Oh, to stay in my home. 
I've never seen a way I go. The old lady tapped her foot and nodded her head and could not help but sing along, somehow having heard the words somewhere before. Oh, to dream, oh, to dream, oh, to dream of home I know. Tis a dream of a forever dreaming of my home. Thanks for sharing a song, he said, and kissed her hand before turning to leave but he stopped himself in his tracks and turned on his heel quickly to ask, Are you almost ready? She arched her brow, shocked to hear it again. What? What are you talking about? The old man shrugged his shoulders and whistled his jaunty tune and left. And of course the old woman was a little concerned again. Deep down, I think she knew. I think I know. I think you know what they were saying. But why were they being so shy about it? If this is my last day on earth, I am not afraid, she said. But she didn't mean it. Because it was such a beautiful day that she wished for another, and another, and another. That was why she was frightened. Night fell and she went inside. She lit herself a little fire in her fireplace. She cooked herself a little stew. And she warmed her legs and her spine and her shoulders. She felt the fatigue creeping up even more into her neck, into her jaw, her skull. She leaned back in her chair, finished her meal, which had tasted so lovely and the warmth was so welcome that she found her eyes closing again slowly. And she rocked herself back and forth in her little chair, and everything started to turn dark. But then the fire was too bright to let her sleep. Its yellows and oranges were moving so quickly making such vivid shapes and casting such strange shadows all about her little cabin that she couldn't keep her eyes closed for very long. She hadn't noticed that, in a chair beside hers that she didn't even realize was there, had there always been two chairs in this place? She didn't think so. In that chair, she noticed a woman Younger than herself, but no young lady. This was a grown woman, proud and strong. She wore a chemise and skirts and a loosely held-together corset, the likes of which the old woman knew had only existed hundreds of years ago. But what year was it now, again? It didn't matter. There's no such thing as time. Hello. She said gently. She had a confident and kind nature to her face. Hello? The old woman replied. She did not ask how the other woman had gotten in here. 
You've made quite the life for yourself, the woman beside her said, looking around the cabin, looking at the lines on the old woman's face. Indeed, yes, I think I have, thank you, the old woman answered. What would you change? Is there anything you would have done differently? The younger, stronger woman asked. And it seemed she was weaving something together. Sprigs of lavender, maybe. Perhaps little twigs of rosemary, too. The old woman thought on it while looking at the fire. It was a very glorious sight. It reminded her of the sun from her favorite day, the one she'd just had. Finally, she replied, I would have come here sooner. I would have spent more time with the river, the wind, the fire. I would have more enjoyed the company of more people. Like that strange boy. Like that gentleman. Like you. The other woman nodded. It's time. Do you feel ready? The old woman felt like feigning confusion for a moment. But as she looked in the eyes of the other woman, her eyes seemed to be orange, red, yellow, bright as the fire. She held in her hands now a flower wreath. She held her right hand over it, concentrating, though her gaze did not leave the other woman's. She was a witch, no doubt. She was my first witch. <laughs> the old woman then admitted to herself that she knew exactly to what they were all referring. I am ready, she answered. The witch smiled and disappeared, and the fire went out. But instead, outside her window, out in the vast green field ahead of her cabin, still green in the now waning but almost full moonlight, there seemed to be a fire. Out there. Wait. It was... the witch. Burning. Burning. All fire. Her arms, legs, eyes, hands, heart. Burning and yet not. And beside her, illuminated by her light, was the cabin boy, a pale blue, hair, clothes, skin still drenched, water pouring from his eyes, his mouth. It dripped down his arms to the ground. It went to the grass from his feet. And beside him, barely visible, was the old gentleman, a gray color, transparent and ghostly, his eyes white and almost corpse-like, except he floated off the ground and wavered gracefully like a feather, the gentle evening breeze blowing him back and forth, rocking to and fro. They were the people she'd met today, only they were completely not, too. They'd become something different, 
something without boundaries, something without a human body. They were elemental ghosts, perhaps. All three had died and become something else, once, and now they were something else, too. For who is to say that we do not continue to transform after death? The old woman went out to them. She was terrified. She felt the water from the young man spraying her skin. She heard the song from the old man on the breeze. She saw the bright light of the younger woman in the dark of the night. But she wanted... She wanted to... smell the flowers. Taste the earth and things that grow from it. She hadn't had enough of it in her life and so she thought it would be nice to be a part of it forever. Or at least in this next life. What do I do? She asked. And the spirits surrounded a little patch of soft grass and wild flowers, gesturing to it. The old woman lay down on the grass, her body aching and her eyes frightfully tired now. She had thought she wanted to die alone. She was glad now that she wouldn't. Everything began to sing in her ears now. Her skin felt cool and warm and caressed by the earth and the grass and the mud. And the light of the moon and the fire seemed to enter her eyes and hit her heart too. How to describe what then happened? First was the taste in her mouth of earth and carrots and pumpkin and onions and dirt and grass. Starting from the back of her throat and filling her whole mouth, though it was empty. Then her nostrils caught the intoxicating scent of lavender, then the strong and powerful spice of rosemary. It started in her nose and made its way into the back of her heart. Her legs felt strong, strong as an old oak. And that strength rippled up to her spine, her neck, her head. And she stood up quickly and stretched her arms to the sky. where she burst into a hundred wildflowers and a few baby willow trees. Her friends were the singing, sighing wind and the fresh, clean river water. And occasionally, the strongest of them all, but the most elusive. The immortal fire that could neither be created nor destroyed. I sat under a willow tree once by a riverside and admired some yellow and pink flowers that I considered picking but decided against when a little girl came and sat beside me. A little girl with green, muddy feet 
and a dress completely grass-stained. She smiled and picked two flowers after all, one for her and one for me, and we both inhaled the scent and sighed at how sweet it was. Are you ready? She asked me. I smiled. No, not yet. But one day I will be. I've been telling you a lot of stories about transformation lately. I do not think we are only what we seem. I do not think we will always be what we are. And if all that is true, then I also think we can be courageous in the face of great change. Especially if this woman, and many, many others, was able to be courageous in the face of the greatest change. Life must be honored and loved. All of its tastes, smells, sights, sounds, touches. This was not an ode to death. This was a story for the living. Oh, hello. There's a rowboat going by with a ghost in it. A lost ghost. Forgive me. Yes, it's that way. That way. Yes, go there and get ready. Don't be afraid of the thing in the mist. I'll deal with it later. It won't touch you. Yes. Well done. Goodbye. Sorry, my friends. I've had this job to do and I feel like I shouldn't shirk it. But once autumn comes, I'll go back to the forest and the trees and the lanterns, and the harvest, and the ghosts. For now, I'll stay rooted here like a tree. Good night, my friends. friends, this is Kristen Zaza here on A Dark Cold Night's writer, host, performer, composer, podcaster, etc., etc., etc. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 158. The cards I've been drawing have been extremely inspiring for me lately, in a time where I feel like I have perhaps needed that a little more. How are you feeling? How have you found them? While, of course, I don't claim to have any insight into your experience, I do hope something here has resonated with you. Sending gratitude this week to all of my patrons on Patreon, whose consistent monthly support has really meant a lot to me lately, and always. I shared with you early in the episode a little bit of a reading I did with some of my patrons for the full moon. Every full moon I perform a tarot reading for patrons who contribute $5 a month or more on Patreon at the Kindred Spirit tier, so that's $5 US, and I thought that this one was too uncanny not to share with all of you tonight, just just a little, little bit of it. So I hope you don't mind that I shared that with you. 
Every Patreon supporter of any amount $1 or more a month receives access to my complete soundtrack, which I update on a weekly basis. So that's another great perk available to everyone who supports on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And if you'd prefer to donate one time instead and aren't interested in the soundtrack or tarot reading perks, you can support through coffee.com by purchasing one or more metaphorical coffees. Learn more about that at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. I also have t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. And of course, there are some great free ways to support the show. I'd love it if you followed me on social media. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on Facebook and YouTube, just on the pages called On A Dark Cold Night. I would also really, really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review for me on iTunes, Facebook, or wherever else you like to rate and review podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'll be transparent in telling you that some weeks I really, really need to tell these stories and they do my heart a world of good. And uh, this was one of those weeks, so thank you for listening with me. Sending positive transformation your way as we head into September. Take care, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.